that's exciting. It's Pinch of Salt with the incredible Peter Goffwood. And uh, I always listen to your shows, Peter. How are you today? Oh, fantastic. Hardly great to chat to you this morning. It's wonderful. I always love listening to your shows because you're so clever. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. I watched Master much. Chef this week. I nearly got a heart attack. I would definitely lose. <laughs> sure, I'll tell you what, this, the current season of the, the Australian one is quite, it's quite hardcore. I'm, it's I'm, terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm a few episodes behind. Yes. Um, but um, it's quite intriguing. I love watching So do I. I have a love-hate relationship with it because I, I love it. But I, if I put myself in their position, yeah. I think I might get a, a panic attack. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, looking at the quality, the caliber of, of the food that the, the, the contestants are making, I would feel exactly the same. You know, some of the food that these guys, these Australian, these amateurs deliver mm. is, is quite spectacular and some of the challenges they put them through are quite are quite uh, scary it I'd, is I'd be, I'd be i'd be hard pressed to c- complete some of those uh, those challenges but but tell us a bit about your tips because i know that they you know um, it's about practice isn't it if you say that amateurs love cooking it's about practice and that's yeah, why look, peter you're important to give us tips yeah, look i mean the thing the thing with with, with australian master chef is there now i think it's they're on season 13. Yes. So, so people have been watching MasterChef Australia for 13 years. You know, and it's, wow. it's a program that's on for, I think, the, the average, average season about, is about 60 or 70 episodes. You know, Gracious. so, so when, you, when you look at youngsters who, who, who are the younger people, in the, they've grown up on MasterChef. They've grown up watching Australian MasterChef for the last 13 years. Mm, mm. You know, so it's ingrained in this idea. And of course, I think the big difference there between between us and, and the Australians is the Australians got a population of about 19 million people, of which 17 million eat in restaurants on a regular basis. basis. Yes, exactly. Uh, whereas, whereas we have about 2 million people who, who eat out on a, on a regular basis. So, so you know, their, their food is always... I mean, the Australian... The caliber of the Australian MasterChef food is better than the, the English and the American and any of them. I, a lot of people say that. Yes. I mean, also, I watched, um, I'm new to, to MasterChef Australia. I'm, I'm watching it now and I absolutely adore it. Can you believe it? I'm so behind. I, mean, I was watching the US one and I find this, yeah. the, the, the judges are quite rude on it. I feel so sorry. But that's also because that's the kind of television that Americans like. It's uh. like that confrontational, um, they don't like seeing people being humiliated and crying for their own reasons. And they, <sighs> they, they tend to pick, pick more bullying judges. They are bullying. The Australian ones are more kind of... Yeah, they're friendly. They're kind of there to help. You know, they, they feel upset when people are not doing well and they don't get as angry and as and, and, and sort of sanctimonious. <sighs> they're far more enabling. Like Gordon Ramsay's chilled out a bit, but I mean, at one point I thought, yeah. wow, I think, you know, they're paying your, they're paying your rent here. You can be a little bit nice, <laughs> Gordon. No, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's for Americans. Americans don't like that kind of... They they want they want winners and losers. You know, whereas, whereas the Australian one, you know, everyone's upset when someone leaves. You know, we're Americans. They they love seeing people depart and 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 who's left and that kind of stuff. It's more it's more adversarial. Their, their television is. I mean, look at all of their programs. It's far more adversarial than, yeah. than, than everyone else. Whereas, whereas, whereas yeah. the Australian one is just a, a very re, a really good feel good program. I find myself getting emotional when I watch it. You know, absolutely. When people are going about missing their kids and what they've given up and what this means to them. I know. Life. And so, for them, for some people, it's their last. It's their dream. And yeah. now, Peter, what do you think? What do you think South Africans would like? Which approach the uh, 
Australian well, I, or the... I think, I think they're a bit close to the Australians. You know, South Africans, where you put you put 20 South Africans together in a house, they generally get along, not fight. You know, they don't mm. break away into camps. I mean, we, we did four seasons of MasterChef, and, and I know that most of the people who were in the program have become lifelong friends. Amazing. You know, it's one of those things that, if, if you think about it, the last time you shared a room with someone and had those shared experiences, probably mm. when you were at school or university. Mm. Now, here, here you're, you're on a, in a program for six to eight weeks, oh, and, and, and you, you, you share this love of cooking that you've discovered. Mm. You know, and the Australian one takes about three or four months to shoot. You know, so so they are they're they're stuck together for a long time. Yeah, it doesn't so it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, so I think those bombs are lasting, and I think the South Africans were pretty much the same. You know, and the cool thing I know is is that of the of the sort of down when you get down to the top ten, virtually everyone who's still in who was in the program are still in the food industry in in, mm. in some shape or form. You know, they. They would have given up their careers of whatever. I mean, we had plumbers, we had el- we had electric. I mean, we had amazing. Like he was, amazing. He was an electrician from Vitbank, and the last time I spoke to him, yeah. he was working in Croatia, helping um, a, um, a, a, a food chain develop fish and chip recipes. You know, amazing. so they've all gone on to do great things. Some go on to do their own programs mm. and write books. But they've got this coffee shop owners, there's, you know, uh, uh, wedding cake makers, you name it. I still keep in contact with a number of them. And mm. most of them are still firmly entrenched in the industry in somewhere. Well, huh, they were before last year. Mm. What they're doing at the moment remains to be seen. Oh, I don't know, Peter. Yeah, they'd certainly use the program as a launching pad into a, into a culinary career. I think that's why these programs are important. And um, the South African come dine with me. Do you... You must still give us tips. Here I am interfering with your program because... No, 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 it's fine. You know, I'm busy chatting to you because I would just want some... You know, the, the big thing is, how important do you think passion is for food? Because that was a big thing in MasterChef as they kind of go, there's no passion in the food. Uh, what was that movie uh, where, where, where they were... I think it was... Oh, I must, I must Google it, Peter. It was incredible where the woman was crying in the food and served it okay. and everybody just... What is it about passion and food and can you taste no, passion? Look, I think, I think, I think it's because, because, you know, if you think about where, where does it originate? Where does food come from? Mm. It, it's, it's about feeding family. So it's, it, 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 you know, it goes back to, you know, feeding people which you love. And and there's always that kind of you know you can taste the love in the food. So you know, is, does where does the food come from? Does it come from your heart? Is yes. This, is this a recipe that means something to you? Does this? Is it something you got from your grandmother, or is this something that reminds you of old family reunions or family dinners? Hmm. And so that's where you start to get that that passion comes from that that you're starting to cook food that means something to you or means something mm. to the people you cook it for. Mm. You know, when, when you when and you see it in lots of restaurants where people just churn out tons of dishes because that's what they do for a living and they need to make and and, and it just it, it's a paycheck. Mm. That's that's soulless food. But when you go to places where they really love what they're doing and they there's care and attention that goes into you know, as much as the shopping as the cooking, you know, mm. the chefs who are, are are passionate about where the ingredients come from and the the, the ingredients themselves tell a story mm. and whether they're promoting their own region or their own kind of 
their, their own country. You know, that's what you're after. And, and, and when people think that and feel that deeply about food, you can taste the difference. There's no yeah. question that you can yeah. actually see the difference in that, in, in what, that, what that food means to someone, you know. And, and you can see that in the way they react to when other people eat and judge their food. Absolutely, so, because there's nothing more yeah. disappointing ordering at a restaurant yeah. and just getting... Uh, for instance, there was a restaurant I went to, quite strange, and, um, and I just want to ask you this, but uh, it was an expensive sandwich. It, yeah. it really was. It was a chicken mayo sandwich, and it came on my plate, but there was no garnish on the plate. It yeah. looked to me like it was that they were taking me for granted, yeah. in a sense. And, you know, sometimes I can't keep quiet. I said to the manager, but, you know, this small sandwich... <laughs> <laughs> placing in front of me could do with a tomato or a garnish and he said to me well then you are not in my kind of client which I understand yeah. because we, we, we can't all fall in each other's markets but yeah. um, it just you know it's that extra care on the plate like just putting something yeah, no, look, do you agree or do you think it's just no fine? I agree completely I mm. agree completely I mean, I, I think I think if the, the pandemic has taught us one thing it's 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 that the mediocre food and that start that approach is the is the, are the kind of business that won't survive yeah. because people people simply will not go back to eat and and and, and partake in those kind of experiences mm. you want to go somewhere i mean we, we all know that the restaurants are suffering we all know that everyone's suffering no one's absolutely mm. so if you do go out you're going to go somewhere that you think is deserving of your money because you like their you like their vibe, mm. you like their attention to detail, and and you like the fact that they go that extra mile with the little tomato garnish or or the yes. side of cold straw. And and so what happens then is is that those people who do show those those glimmers of passion are the ones who will be frequented when people start going back and spending money. And it's the, mm. it's the mediocre, run of the middle stuff that's overpriced. You know, um, oh, those are ones that suffer and end up closing. You know, because because value for money, I think, is a relative term. Mm. You know, mm. you can get, you can spend a lot of money and still get good value mm. because the service was fantastic and the wine list was amazing and there were beautiful glasses and the waiter mm. was incredibly knowledgeable and the plates were unique and the food was fantastic. Then you don't mind parting with some serious money. In the same way that. You know, going to a good pizza restaurant and having a fantastic pizza with a base that's clearly been fermenting overnight and it's beautifully chewy and it's it's proper cheese on it and it's fresh tomato. You know, again, that's relative. That's relative value, mm. and and people, you you you're happy to part with cash for those kind of products, for those kind of those kind of uh, operators. And yeah. I think that's what that's what the pandemic will change in that people who have that take it or leave it attitude will soon go out of business because people just can't why believe eat? it. I can I can eat. You know, you can eat better food at home. You uh, exactly. Toasted, cheese, toasted chicken and mayonnaise sandwich at home mm. with more love, care, and attention. Why sit in a sterile environment? I don't alcohol? know. It's so strange yeah. to me. And Peter, I just have a question for you in terms of, I think at the, at the moment, people are a lot of people are str- struggling financially and, mm-hmm. you know, looking after them, their, their, you know, their money. Um, so, so certain ingredients, if we're making a pizza, for instance, a pizza yeah. base... Um, you know, just cheaper options to make things taste better from your mm-hmm. side. I heard that a pizza base, <laughs> a yogurt and flour is good for a pizza base. Do you have any tips for us just in terms of, you know, keeping our budget down, things we can add? No, I mean, 
look, I think I think things like that, you know, I mean, two things. First of all, making pizza at home is a fantastic thing to do because it's something the entire family can do, mm. you know, because because the, the, the best thing is we've done it with, with bigger groups and particularly if there's kids, you know, to get everyone's hands stuck in to make pizza dough. Look, it's easy. You need flour, water and a packet of yeast and you've got pizza dough, mm. you know. Um, and, and then and then the, the nice thing about making so everyone gets to roll out their own pizza yeah. and then to make just a couple of bowls of toppings and then say right everyone here's some here's some tomato a, t- a little tomato sauce we've cooked up and here's some bowls of some chopped veggies mm. some grated cheese and you pick your own topping and you make your own smiley face on it or whatever it is that's really cool yeah that in the oven and, and Pizzas are, by their nature, relatively inexpensive to make. Mm. I mean, if you think about how much you, you probably need a hundred grams of pizza dough mm. to go on a, a, on a decent size, you know, pizza for an adult, and oh, what, maybe one tomato, maybe mm. twenty grams of salami, and maybe a hundred grams of cheese. I'm writing so, this down, some Peter. Of things that's quite an affordable way to eat, and also fun. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing. Is I think that's what uh, what families are doing, trying to find different ways to to do it. And um, what do you think of the combination of um, um, a salt? I've got such a problem with it. Salt and savory and sweet on a pizza or something like that. The balance. I know that's a whole different thing. But then they put figs on pizzas and and pineapple on pizzas, and you know, then I start getting confused. Yeah, I have no problem with doing a dessert pizza. So doing a little pizza for dessert that's that is sweet. Oh. Um, in fact, I actually won a, a, an international pizza competition with a dessert pizza that had that had Nutella. It had what did it have on it? It had it was a normal pizza base. It had uh, Nutella on it. Yes. It had um, it had figs, fresh figs, mm. um, macadamia nuts, and then I finished it off with um, with Italian meringue. So you make a meringue and then it bakes in the oven. It caramelizes little globules of it caramelizes on the pizza. Wow! So, so if you're going to make a sweet pizza, make a sweet pizza. I think, uh, I'm, I for me, the, the, this whole uh, pineapple um, addition is an anathema to me completely. Mm, pineapple mm. and banana have no place on savory pizzas whatsoever. I can't I'm stand it. I know. I know a friend of mine always. He always orders um, bacon and banana, oh, and I think ah. I can't. I can't. I no, suppose I, it's just I, not for my palate, but no, I just I mean it's just it's, it's the kind of thing banana, you know, like just <laughs> yeah, there's just something wrong with it. There's something wrong with you. Comes to pineapple on the pizza, wrong. Have a uh, fruit salad. You know, yeah. If, you <laughs> if you want to have something sweet on your pizza, have lovely ripe tomatoes or something like that that add an, 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 a natural sweetness. And the not figs, though, figs seem to work yeah, better um, for me. Figs, the same thing. Figs also are not mm. are not savoury pizza toppings. It's wrong. What do you think of ca- salted caramel ice cream? Okay, so the, the combination of, of, of sweet and salt, I think, has a place. There's no two, two ways about, you know, when you have something like that salt, of that sweet caramel and you bite into a little chunk of like that molten sea salt. That I quite mm. like. I like the combination of sweet. But it has a time and a place. And the place is definitely not pizza. Mm, mm. I think it has to be yeah, balanced as well. Then, like what what they're yeah. saying, I think you've got to be rather experienced when you create a dish like that. I, for instance, yeah. I'm not the best or um, chef. Um, I'm not going mm. to win um, chef of the year or win. Um, okay. 
but 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 I do I do have very simple dishes that I that I make. But I, I, I yeah. I'm careful when I experiment too much with the sweet and you know the fruit, especially with um, yeah. your savory. Um, and stuff like that. I personally am not a big fan of it. I know some people are, but I think, yeah. f- f- you know, it, it, it really depends on your palate, don't you think? Or do you think it's yeah. just a definite no-go? Yeah, I, think, mm. I think the thing is, I think it's, a, it's about balance. Mm, you know, I, I think particularly if you're going to, if you're using, um, well, either whether you're doing this as a dessert or you're doing it as a savory dish, I think it's, it's, it's about balance. Mm. So that, that that sweetness can often enhance flavors. I mean, take for example, um, uh, just again, cooking with tomatoes. Often, yeah. what happens when you when you cook with tomatoes, they're not particularly ripe, and mm. so they have a, quite a high acid content. So there, you're going to add a couple of pinches of sugar to a dish, just to mm. take the edge off of off of the off of the, the acidity. So you want a hint of sweetness in there, but you okay. don't want it to be a sweet dish. But you, you, so so often, you're looking for that balance. A classic example of that balance is Thai food. Mm. Thai food, they, they, they have the kind of um, sort of seasoning where it's, it's, it's sweet, it's hot, and it's sour. Uh, sweet, hot, and sour. Mm. And, and so what they use there is there's, there's always things like, and salty, sorry. So you've always got a little bit of fish sauce in there, palm sugar, lime juice. And those three ingredients often balance each other out. So Wait, say that again, I'm writing it down. Pine, pine oil, what? If you've got palm sugar, sugar. If you can't find palm sugar, you can use the, the, the you know the dark treacle sugar. Okay, that's a great substitute. So so lime juice, fish sauce, which is your salty element. Mm. Lime is your sour. Fish sauce is your salty. Then you've got palm sugar is the sweet, mm. and then you've got your chili is the hot. And you'll notice that with, with good Thai cooking, there's a balance to the dish because all of those kind of elements are used in equal measure. So they play. They play one off against each other, so it's not only salty and it's not only sweet and it's not only sour, but you're getting all of those well-rounded flavors. And what they do is a, they're almost like flavor enhancers. They bring out the rest of the dish, so they're bringing out the coconut and the vegetables or the mm. chicken and the prawns or whatever it is, whatever other elements you have in your in your Thai dishes. Those four seasonings are are, are helping to, to 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 bring things out. And if you see a lot of Thai recipes, they mm. often say um, they just say lime juice, fish sauce, palm sugar, and they never really tell you how much. Absolutely, you kind of sort of figure it out for yourself and 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 balance it to your own taste. You know, okay. balance it to your own palate. Mm. And they keep on saying, "Taste your food." You know, taste yeah. it and see kind yeah. of where where it's going. I think that's an incredible um, tip, though, to use that because yeah. of the scientific um, nature of food and as well as the balance that we're talking about and the passion, of course. I think that I, I will really be advancing my um, knowledge, um, Peter, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about tasting is everything because because you've got to, I mean, we, we've seen it before, we see it all the time in restaurants. Food yeah. goes out and you go, whoever sent this food out never tasted it because it's either got it's either totally devoid of seasoning or someone has dropped a salt pot into this Mm. now had they tasted this before they sent it out they never would have sent it out in the first place Mm. so you know it's one of those things you've always got to taste as you go you don't want and it's the same whether you're cooking for loved ones at home or cooking in a restaurant Mm. you don't want to find out that your dish has problems when it comes back from the table, people complain that you've done a you're oh, terrible and it's inedible. That's horrible. You can, always, you can always bin it or rectify it or turn it into something else if you know that you need to you need to sort it out. Yes. But there's nothing worse than finding out from your diners, whether mm. they're family. Because family 
family are far more unforgiving than, than, than they are. They are. So, so tasting is of course important, and I, I do recommend this uh, this balance. Just to find that 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 balance, as you say, between the sweet and the sour, and the and you know, and the and the chili, and all of those fantastic flavors that just make something pop, you know, and and just brings out those flavors, which I am definitely going to experiment with. Yeah, and that's it. You know, and, and the nice thing about it is. It's, it, it, as you see, is a new taste. And, oh, mm. and I think that's also a good thing. And that's also, and this is why I've, I've eaten from um, uh, more talented, or as many talented home cooks as I have professional chefs. Yes, yes. Because they've had this knack of tasting, go, oh, this needs another squeeze of lemon, or it needs Wonderful. another pinch of salt, or another exactly. spring of rosemary. Or, yes. It's, it's the ability to be able to taste and go, Hmm, nice, but I know what it needs. And, 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 and you don't need to be a professional to do that. You just need to practice to do that. Uh, that's practice. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Really, at the end of the day. Peter, yeah. there's so many more questions I want to ask you. And now it's time to go. I I, I definitely love listening to you and Vanessa chat. And uh, it's oh, absolutely well. an honor to chat to you today. Well, honey, thank you very much. And I love the questions. It was very, very cool to, to catch up with these things. Great. Time. It really was exciting. Thank you, Peter Goffwood. And uh, one day, one day maybe I'll try MasterChef, but it's going to take a few years. I have to listen to your shows more. <laughs> have a brilliant weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. That's the incredible Peter Goffwood. And that is a pinch of salt.